Virgo here. Welcome back to Mill Speaks. We're back. And like my man Greeny from Get Up likes to say, we're back and better than ever. Um, <laughs> so this track right here, it's, it's called Sex. It is called Sex. This track I think was made, I think I made this beat back in 2000 and maybe 10, maybe, um, maybe before that, I'm really not sure, but I think, I think we could put it on 2010, honestly, um, I love this one, this is a, this, um, not a song I could ever get to anyone, I could never shop this around to people, because it, it, it has its own vibe, it has its own thing, you know, and I think I could probably shop it around to some of these musicians and rappers nowadays, but, um, back when I was doing it, you know, the rappers that I was working with, they didn't know what to do with this, so they were like, okay, well, it's a dope track, it's cool, maybe an interlude, I made five minutes worth of beat, so, welcome to Mill Speak Sex, um, so yeah, so I love this one, I'm gonna bring it down now, you know me, I like to vibe in it for about a minute or two, and then jump right into the show. So let's see if I can get that done without any type of struggles here. Um, Okay, okay, so I got that down. Um, Probably adjust it a little bit later. Um, Make sure that I'm good. But, um, so yeah, I have tons to talk about. Um, But back to what I was saying. This this episode is is going to be um, entitled um, Things or Shit that I love. It just depends on what I feel when I'm typing it up on the site. Um, but one of those, a uh, variation of that title. Um, just, like I said, it was supposed to be recorded last night, Valentine's evening. Try to get it edited and up that evening so that you had something Valentine's night or at least t- today at work to listen to. But, you know, um, I, um, I am a, a techie person. I do stuff with fire sticks. Um, I do stuff with fire sticks that help you be able to use your fire stick in a more desired way. Um, there's the two lines. Read between them. Okay. Um, if you have questions about this, feel free to DM me. Um, I don't know. On here. Um, Instagram. Um, Mills Virgo or Mills Speaks. Um, both of those are mine. Um, you can DM me on Twitter as well. Um, and if you feel really really serious about it um you know let me know let me know if you're interested but that's not what i'm here to do i'm not here to advertise for my services i'm here to talk about the week's events um so um so last night as i was finishing up with the fire stick i started a movie to test the fire stick um i started a bohemian rhapsody movie that movie came out i guess november Right before Christmas or right before the end of the year, one of the two, um, and it was definitely it's a it's a biopic, um, or like some people say a biopic, bless up, but I'm gonna use biopic, um, that basically goes through the career, the start, the career in the end of Queen, uh, rock group Queen. Queen is a group out of the UK, I, I'm gonna be honest, I, I didn't really know the origin, um, until I watched the film, and I, and I'm really excited about it, they had great people in it too, like, a lot of people you know, a lot of people you've seen in tons of other things, um, but, no, this movie was great, um, if you are a music fan, period, you know about Queen, um, if you're a 90s kid, you know about Queen, and realistically speaking, like I told my, my, my best friend, Carrie, I told her, I said, I said, the only reason that a lot of people my age know about Queen, at least our first, our first, um, like, introduction to Queen was Wayne's World, you know, my man, um, Mike Myers, who was in the movie, shout out to that, he, he played a, a record label exec that passed on Queen, can you believe that, um, and I couldn't put my finger on him, because he looked nothing like Mike Myers as we expect him to look, he had, you know, he had gained a little weight, maybe he had a fat suit on, he looked like, um, he had some facial hair popping and glasses and everything, but when he started talking and when he got frustrated, all I heard was fat bastard, 
And I said, wait a damn minute. And then I started looking at it. And I'm like, wait a damn minute. So I was very excited that Mike Myers was in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, which is so epic because if you really know about it, I mean, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey, Wayne's World, um, Wayne and Garth, they were crazy about rock and roll but they absolutely love that queen the vit that queen song there was a video for it they went crazy in the movie i mean they even redid the the video um to kind of be queen-esque um so it was really dope really dope um to see mike myers in there um but no the so like i said if you if you if you're up on music like in vocals you'll know the Frank or Freddie, I want to always call him Frankie for some reason, but Freddie Mercury had one of the best voices. Like, and I was just in awe sitting there at the movie, just just watching the movie, and I was just like, shit, come on, come on, another one's bites the dust. Okay, come on, motherfucking Bohemian Rhapsody. I said, okay, come on, you know, saying, um, we are the heroes. I'm like, okay, come on, um, uh, uh, what's the John? What's the John? The slow John. Oh my god, someone to love, right? So I was just like, come on because i was not only ready for them songs but i mean this man's voice is amazing and and there is nothing that showcases that voice like another one bites the dust and i'll tell you why i even fucking know that it's because on dj hero this is a game on ps3 dj hero one and two they came out with it and i have both okay i got the little turntable here i can plug the bitch in i can fucking play dj if i want to Listen, there's um, another one bites the dust mashup with another song. It really doesn't even matter. Um, there's a part in there. They make you, you know, go through the songs and then it highlights each song individually and then it gives you a nice mashup. When I tell you there's a portion in there where if you miss it, if you miss the hit and you don't make it and it, the music doesn't continue, if you miss the hit, but. Freddie Mercury's voice continues to sing, and when I tell you them runs are so crisp and clean and amazing, and it's like, God damn, man, your voice is amazing. And I mean, you can think of tons of other great singers. I'm sorry, Freddie Mercury's up there with some of the best voices that we've ever heard. And I mean, I'm talking, he's up there with Whitney Houston. I'm sorry, he is up there with um, Mariah Carey because she had a great voice. Um, when we were younger, um, and I'm sure it's fine now, you know, but it's not like it was, you know, in 91, (laughs) um, you know, and, and tons of others, there's tons of other great voices out there, great, um, great vocalists out there, um, but Freddie Mercury, I, and I mean, I, I know I'm being a prisoner of the moment because I literally just saw this movie yesterday, but I mean, that voice is, is fucking amazing. Like, I can't even get past it. I think, did I even write it down on this paper? I wasn't even going to talk about it, but because I watched it last night and I couldn't get it out of my head because there were so many things the movie touched on. The movie touched on, of course, you know, um, growing up in the seventies in the UK, then it, it touched on, um, the fact that that Freddie wasn't—I I, I don't know what his nationality was—but they kept calling him a Paki, and he was like, "I'm not—I'm not from Pakistan." And I'm like, "Wow, I didn't—I just assumed he was just a white boy." You know what I mean? Um, it talked about that, it, and it touched on his sexuality. People didn't want to admit, or or maybe it was something that they talked about, but they didn't really talk about. But I mean, he was gay. He was gay, and and I don't know that that was something that he wanted to just be out about but it was clearly evident like if you watch old stuff the way my man pranced around that stage bro like listen you couldn't deny his talent you couldn't deny that voice but you definitely couldn't deny the fact that he was absolutely totally gay i mean he was i mean look at the stuff he used to wear now back in the days back in those days like the 60s i'm on 60s no the 70s and 80s rock and roll like all the front men were kind of you know flamboyant kind of you know body suits and you know stuff you wear on stage that's the stuff they you know they did that but there was something different about freddie um you could tell you could you could just tell um and so if you if you really like music um and you want to be surprised at how many songs queen has that you know go ahead and watch the movie bohemian rhapsody shout out to um shout out to the fella that plays freddie mercury um i want to call him um Mr. Robot, iRobot, I don't know. He had a show, something about a robot uh, on USA 
and um, just pretty, he was really good at it. I mean, I I wouldn't be mad if, if this man took home some sort of award um, in this award uh, season here, but I, I don't know. I know they're nominated. I know Bohemian Rhapsody is nominated for some stuff, um, and it definitely should be. The acting was superb, superb. Um, so yeah, check it out if you, um, you know, if you're into different shit and you want to see what I'm talking about. Um, okay, so that was my, uh, first spiel. Um, so things that I love, I love music. Music, this will be the music section. I absolutely love music. I grew up listening to tons of different types of music when my mom and dad, um, uh, when I was a kid, they used to play music all the time. Saturdays and Sundays and sometimes Fridays, like, they played music. And my parents had one of those stereos and, you know, walk with me for a minute back back in your mental Rolodex now. Okay, so this was what the 80s and the 90s. So my, my dad had this huge stereo system. It was silver. Okay, and I know y'all know this. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. It was silver. It had those big silver knobs. It had all of these antennas. It had all of this. It was high tech shit. All you had to do was literally hit one button up, and you didn't have to do any of that extra shit. Just hit one button here, one button here, and then you're done. But it looked so intimidating. Um, and then we had those big, 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 big speakers. You know, back in the back in the '80s, man, you you had a whole fucking situation in your house if you were serious about your music um my parents had a um they had a turntable well it was, i guess not a turntable right because it wasn't really a turntable but it was a uh a record player they had tons of albums 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 okay and then tons of 45s and i listened to a lot of music on those 45s and on those albums I used to love it. Like, I, I listened to Michael Jackson's Bad on the album. We had the album, and it was so big, and I remember loving it. I remember, look, at it's eight Michael Jacksons, and you, like, you open up the album, and there's, like, eight pictures, and, oh, it's eight Michael Jacksons, you know what I'm saying? They had the big-ass sheet with all the lyrics and stuff, and you had to be very careful with the record, very careful with the record, right? So, you know, kids these days will probably never know shit about that unless you have some really dope parents like I plan to be, um, but... Um, so music has been a part of my life ever since I was a kid. I was, I think, five, four or five years old when my, my grandma took me to, or, or my Aunt Julia might have took me to some sort of jazz concert in the park, um, in New York. I think it was Central Park. I have no idea. I'm guessing at that. Um, but she, you know, and she, she said that I was very, I'm not a very, um, I'm not a very reaction, like my reactions, my facial expressions are very subdued. You'll never know when I was a kid if I was happy or not because I look the same regardless, okay? Um, only people that truly knew were my parents. My mom and dad knew when I was happy and they knew when I was not happy, um, which is pretty awesome. But anyway, um, but she told me that I, my face never changed but that I looked very intense in the eyes and I started, you know, banging my fist or some shit. I don't know what she said. But um, it was evident at that point in time that music was my thing to to those people to my my aunt and my grandma um so that is um background to my my music love um when i was 11 years old i said i want to be a music producer and that was it and then i sat there and i said well how do you get from a to b and so my thought process was okay well then go to college and you major in business and then you learn the business and then when you get your job in business, okay, and you're making your money, then you can take some money and then you can put that into becoming a producer and buying equipment and learning how to do it. And I had a whole plan, a whole plan at 11, okay? So I'm 35 now and, and none of those things really came to fruition. But um, having that plan, having that foundation early was, was very important to me at the time because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just one of those people that said, I want to produce music. I want to be a music producer and then have fucking no idea how to get from A to B and just, you know, think on a hope, uh, you know, a hope and a prayer, you know, saying like, okay, it'll happen somehow. No, that it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, so, so, you know, I started making beats, I guess in 2004, so I went almost all of my college career without even making music. Now, I did 
I played in marching band um, with University of South Carolina. I played the trumpet for two years, and then after that, it kind of got boring to me. It it seemed more like work than it was fun, and I was like, I get tickets to every football game anyway, so (laughs) I'm good on this, so I'm out, you know, and um, that was my first, like, music decision that I made. Like that, that I that was unpopular um, because I had been in band since I was in the sixth grade. So um, that was the first time that I said, "Okay, I'm not picking the trumpet up again. I'm gonna do it another way." Um, so I started making beats around, like I said, 2004. I started really hitting my stride 2005, six, and seven, um, and then I took a break. I, I became really depressed. 2008 was a rough year for me. I didn't do anything creative, and it was, and it showed in my life that I was not creative, um, which is why I started this podcast, because I have so much bottled up in me to be creative and to be great, I honestly feel, it's, I, it's like, you gotta do something with it so that you can open up, you know, ideas or open up avenues for other stuff, you know, so, um, so music is my number one love. It's my very first love. My very first love within music was hip-hop. Um, I fell in love with hip-hop probably around 1994. Yeah. It, it, there was other stuff before that, but 1994 was when I was totally done. I was totally in love. I was smitten. Um, this was during a time in which we had Biggie. Um, we had... Um, Tupac was going, Biggie and Tupac, the West Coast thing was going on, um, Bad Boy was getting going, okay, um, I was still digging the West Coast music, okay, Dr. Dre and Ice-T, Ice Cube, really, it's, Ice, it's all about Ice Cube, actually, it's not even Ice-T, and it wasn't even so much about Dr. Dre, but Dr. Dre did have The Chronic, which is one of the more classic albums that you're ever gonna listen to, so I have to give it up to Dr. Dre for being great, um, but yeah, no, I love I love all kinds of music, and so as I grew up, you know, as I grew up, my music musical cha- taste changed a bit. I still was a huge hip hop head. All of my beats, and I had an ex boyfriend, um, boyfriend at the time. He's an ex now. He always said to me, "You are from South Carolina. You're from the South. How come you make beats like you're from New York?" Well, that those were the rappers that I liked and that I respected and that I believed. I didn't believe Southern rap at, at, at the time. Now, I did believe Outkast, but I couldn't identify with anybody else. Nobody else could identify with them. Not the way that I can now. Um, because, you know, life is just life. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, poor or rich. You have to deal with some shit that everybody can identify with, honestly. Um, so... You know, musical taste changed a bit, and then in 2000, I want to say either 99 or 2000, there was this change. There was this nice change, and it was a neo-soul change, and what ended up happening was the music between those years from, I guess, 95 to 2000, though the music got so heavily produced, it was so heavily processed, like, it sounded like it was done in a studio. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't even sound like you made an instrument or made a sound and then was creative with it. It sounded like it was made on a computer. And so we got to that point where a lot of people wanted those types of beats. Um, Scott Storch was big big on that. Um, Timbaland and the Neptunes started in on this, but they were so, they were so out of here that it didn't matter what they did. Because they were so great. Like, Timberland's beats are amazing. Like, his first beat I think we ever remember really hearing was um, Missy Elliott's The Rain, right? So that song was so, so crazy left field, right? And then you listen to all of Missy's album, which was crazy. Then they had the opportunity once the debacle happened with Aaliyah over there at Blackground Records with R. Kelly, okay? Then they got their hands on Aaliyah once she got out of that deal, and when they moved her over to, you know, uh, work with Missy and Timbaland, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to Aaliyah, best thing that could have ever happened to Missy, best thing that ever happened to Timbaland, okay, um, and, and that's the kind of shit I love, I love that 
it could be a fucked up situation, but when you really bust it down and when the smoke settles, this is ending up being like the best thing for you at this time, you know? And so that's, that, that was a great situation right there. Um, but like I said, so during that time, music sounded really, really processed, really, 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 really just not authentic. And then you had this, um, wave of singers and entertainers that flipped the sound on its ear and said, I want to do something different. And not only do I want to do something different, this shit is going to sell and it's going to be dope as fuck. And the first person that we like to credit the Neo Soul um, movement with is, is most likely Erica Badu. She comes first, I believe. Then there was a nice little bunch of them. So remember when Britney Spears came out and then there was a bunch of blonde singers who came out. So Britney, Christina Aguilera, Jessica Simpson, Mandy Moore, and then the names get lost because those are the only ones you remember right so it was the same thing same thing once Erica Badu's formula worked once her aura was received and record labels saw that this shit sells they said okay we gotta capitalize and what they did was they tried to go out and find other singers like this well you can't do that not with this type of music because it's too real so it had to happen authentically had to happen authentically so then we had joe scott who was from philadelphia and she got her sound going you know just singing and doing her thing and then of course she linked up with the roots crew and you know they they worked a lot together they they were friends before the money basically you know um and then I just knew I wanted to be in Philly. I was like, I gotta go to Philly. Philly's the place. That's the place. Not New York. Not LA. Philly. Philly's the place. Because they got all that fucking great music there. All of that raw talent. That It's so black. You know, I wanted that. You know what I'm saying? And um, obviously I was, I was too young, so I didn't I didn't go anywhere. Um, but, but no, I mean... And so, but Jill Scott was my favorite. So I always am one to pump my brakes on the first and then go all in on the second so i pumped my brakes on britney spears and i loved christina aguilera pump my brakes on the backstreet boys loved in sync pump my brakes on erica badu but did like erica badu but then i went all in on jill scott and a good friend of mine adam he went to visit a family member one weekend we were still in high school i think i was in the 10th or the 11th grade at this time and he went to go visit someone and there was a whole bunch of like cds that were just sitting on the stairs and he was just like i don't listen to this stuff he he gave me the the stack of cds and in there was jill scott's album sheet the the little book the booklet not the actual music just the booklet so i was able to actually read her lyrics first before i actually listened to any of those songs because I thought Jill Scott was just going to be some ratchet chick, you know, talking about getting away, going and beating up the chick because your man is out here being lame, right? But once I was able to read the lyrics and understand what I was getting into, I, I was like, no, no, no. She's a poet. I said, I love this. This is it. So, you know, I kind of gravitated to that, tor- that type of music and then conscious hip-hop. So I didn't even like rap. And I even went so far to become a music snob. I went so far to say, you know, there's rap and then there's hip-hop. And I like hip-hop. I'm not a rap fan. And I started liking rap again. I was in college. And a song came out. And this had to be around the crunk time, actually. So I'm not even going to give it to the Kryptonite John. Um, but crunk music made me like rap again. And then there was, um, and then there was the Kryptonite John, uh, not mystical, damn. Um, Big Boy from Outcast was on it, and I don't even have a clue who those other people were. It really doesn't matter because that song still go hard, and I still love it to this day, to this to this day. So, um, so you know, I um. So, so I brought all of that up to say that Sunday was the Grammys, okay? And growing up as a music head and wanting to be a music producer and also wanting to get into music uh, songwriting, I always wanted a Grammy. 
always wanted a Grammy. Like, people, and Drake was right, and I'll get to Drake's comment and cut off in a bit. He's right. You don't need these these trophies to feel validated or to feel like you won. But I'm here to tell you right now, um, when you all you think about is your music and making sure that you put the best product out there, um, not only do you want people singing it and appreciating it, but you also want to be recognized from the academy. You want to be recognized from the peers, your peers among you. They're saying, you know what, man? I know that I'm doing dope shit, but you, my nigga, you doing better shit. Like, that's the kind of that's the kind of validation that I wanted. It didn't have to necessarily be, oh, we the Academy think you, Mills, you are the best of the best, and I don't need that, per se. But, you know, from your colleagues to be like, you know what, I know I'm doing great work, but you're doing really great work. Mm, good job. You know, that's that's priceless, I, I feel. So, um, so the Grammys happened. The Grammys happened. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, well, let's just go ahead and get on into it. Um, so first, so first for me, the Grammys is always a sad time <laughs> now because so much bad shit happened during the Grammys. The first bit of bad stuff that happened was, of course, the Chris Brown and Rihanna stuff that happened, I guess, 10 or so years ago, maybe 11 now. You know, that was like Grammy night, the night before Grammys or the night of the Grammys. It was, it was intense. And then obviously more sad would be Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston passed away on the Grammys night, if I'm not mistaken, just a few years back. And it's always a sad thing for me because I knew that Clive Davis he's an exec for Virgin Records if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not Virgin. I feel like I'm really messing that up, and I feel like I should know who Clive Davis works for, because he's been Jive Records. I don't even understand how I could not remember that, but it's definitely Jive Records, but we're going to check that, because I'm going to make sure I'm right. Columbia. Columbia. Well, he was he was there from 67 to 73. I'm pretty sure that Clive was part of Jive Records. I'm pr- I'm I'm really sure of that. Okay, fantastic. I'm not finding it. So, we're going to go first with Columbia, but I want to really say Jive. So, let's just roll with Jive for right now. So, Clive Davis is is big time. He has been big time ever since I was a kid. Um, And he was very, very, very close with Whitney Houston. Um, And Clive threw this um, Grammys party, you know, the day before the Grammys or the night before the Grammys every single year. In the year that Whitney Houston had passed, they were having the party downstairs from where her body was. And some of them knew that Whitney was dead, and a lot of them obviously did not know. So, I remember that, for some reason, that really sticks out to me. I don't know why. It just does. And Clive and Whitney had a tremendous relationship. She was always there. She always sang there for him, which I always loved because there was a time in which Whitney Houston was not singing for people. She was not doing any of those things, but she would always show up for Clive. And that's a testament to somebody who maybe is the most important person to your career, you know, or was very helpful or was a friend in a time of need, you know. So I like I like that. I like that a lot. And but it was very sad though, just thinking about Whitney. You know, that's just it's not right. Um, but let's just get to the winners and some performances, and then you know we can get into it because there's a lot that happened here at the Grammys. Cardi B won best. Um, I think it's best rap song, right? Best rap album. It's not best album. It's best rap album with Invasion of Privacy. I listened to this Cardi B album a lot when it first came out, which was just just last April, so it hasn't even been in a full year, and I enjoyed Cardi B's album, um, not so much from a, um, a lyrical perspective, she's not going to sexy y'all out with her bars, she's not gonna do that, I mean, and maybe in a couple of years, and a couple of albums, you know, maybe she'll develop into that, but that's not what this is about, what, like I explained to a co-worker of mine who no longer works with us, but, you know, he didn't understand what I meant when I said Cardi wins, you know, Cardi wins anyway, because Cardi, when we met Cardi, she was a stripper, doc, she was a stripper trying to fight 
the dude who could help her get you know her music off trying to fight his girlfriend you know like it's just it was so ratchet it was so crazy and you know by all counts cardi should not even be here she should be back at the strip club but she worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and got together with a really good team and they did tremendous things in regards to music and i was very happy with her final her end results in some of her different projects um so I was happy for that. It was a big win. Obviously, she was up against a lot of different people, a lot of people that probably deserved to win. But I'm I'm good with Cardi winning because you need Cardi to win. Cardi um, got up there and had no words during the entire speech, which was okay. That was okay. That was okay because I that was genuine. She had no words, and I loved that. I've always loved when like legitimate people like when it's a legitimate joy i love that so that's what's up um childish gambino won for um best song if i'm not mistaken and that was the first time a rapper had ever won that song of the year and he won that for this is america and this is america is is great i mean i'm not gonna I'm not going to try to boost this up any more than it already is. This is America's Great. It was a visual masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. Um, Musically, it was interesting because it was a song that was so... It relied heavily on the visual. But once you saw the visual once or twice, you never could forget it. So you could totally enjoy the song just by remembering the visuals. Or you could just enjoy the song because, I mean, the beat is amazing and it's not horrible what he's talking about it doesn't sound cohesive because you don't have the visual but there's no confusing what's going on in in the song Uh, her her one she won um i believe best r&b album or something like that she won a grammy she didn't even have an album out that was an ep um and an ep guys is a very short album it's not an official album um, you just go off and record it, you get it mixed down, and you put it out for the masses. It, you know, it's not quite an album, but she won a Grammy for it, so it's an album now, right? And so, um, if you don't know who her is, I definitely recommend you check her out. Um, her is a nice mixture between my girl Jill Scott and my girl Chrisette Michelle. She's a baby that Chrisette and Jill had with Prince if that makes sense. Um, and I put Prince in there because she plays live instruments. She is a rock star. If you watch her perform, and the first time I saw her perform was on, I think, the BET Awards with the damn guitar, and she was just up there with them shades and them hater blockers on, and she just was out there doing it. That hair was fucking blowing. Like, it, it's, it's serious. It's serious, and you have to listen to her. She's great. My favorite song by her is called um could have been which is a song that she has with bryson tiller who is another great uh, vocalist and um that song hits home for me because it's it's very much a um it's it's the song is exactly what it sounds like could have been what we could have been i think about what we could have been and it hits home for me because you know we all have exes that we feel like could have been the one Um, So I have one that I feel like could have and should have been the one. But, you know, people fuck shit up and things remain fucked. So it is what it is. But but I love that song. That song still hits hard with me, goes hard, um, hits home, stays home, never goes out. It's everything. Um, But she has tons of other songs that I love too. But that song in particular is one that I always want to listen to between that and Focus. Okay. Um... Jay-Z and Beyonce, so we'll call them the Carters for now, um, Jay-Z and Beyonce won, um, best, I want to say it's like a contemporary rap album, or, it wasn't rap album, it was something else, but they won for that, and for Everything Is Love, and if you had a chance to listen to Everything Is Love, I mean, you know, this isn't either one of their best work, but at the same time, collectively, it was amazing. I'm also a bit biased because I actually went to see the On The Run 2 tour. Um, so I saw that live firsthand, baby. So I'm very, very biased because they performed um, 
a lot of the songs on the album, but then they, you know, they of course did a nice medley of their own songs, and then I had the opportunity to just, <laughs> just love exactly in everything that I saw, so it was great, um, I think the standouts on the album are, um, are the, uh, Ape Shit song that goes really hard, and then another standout is the Black Ex- Excellence song, um, that's another song that kind of stands out, um, Boss is dope, um, the song's very short, I mean, the album's very short, it's only nine songs, so I can honestly tell you that I love all of the songs, but, you know, it's for different stuff, though, it's for different shit, though, so, like, for instance, like, this song, 713, um, I'm gonna wanna listen to that when I'm feeling really, really ridiculous in the car with my homegirls, and we just going someplace crazy, and we just gonna have a good time, I'm gonna put 713 on, so we can jam out, you know, same with friends, um, heard about us, please, I probably have to be with my man for that, yeah, probably have to be with my man for that, and we probably have to have on some shit like, um, linen, you know, we probably have to have linen outfits on or something real clean, um, real fresh. <laughs> um, but no, it, the song's called Black Effect. I'm sorry, it's not called Black Excellence. It's called Black Effect. The song itself is Black Excellence. But no, it's called Black Effect, and that song is probably the highlight of the album for me because it just, it just, um, it's just great. I recommend you listen to it. Um, the lyrics, the lyrics go, I'm good on every MLK Boulevard. And those of you who know anything about MLK Boulevards, those are typically the worst boulevards, the worst streets in the city that you're at. I'm for real. Like I grew up on Hilton Head, South Carolina. We didn't have any around there, but when we went to Savannah, Georgia, there was MLK Boulevard and there was always some kind of murder going on at MLK Boulevard, always some sort of situation, um, you know, so, that, that song is really dope, the album was good, I appreciate it, um, I, I contemplated doing, uh, Top Albums of 2018, um, show, uh, earlier in the year, but I never got around to it, but, I mean, who knows, I probably still could do that, um, because, I have so much music that I'm still listening to. That's from 2018. It's ridiculous. Um, it was a really good year for music and really good year for rap. Really good year for hip hop. So it was good. Um, I see who else? Drake. Drake won for for God's plan. Okay, that song was huge. Um, you couldn't get away from that song. You couldn't get away from God's plan, and you couldn't get away from In My Feelings. Like, Kiki! Okay, you couldn't get away from those two songs, but God's plan came first, and God's plan was the biggest. It, it's a really good song. That beat is crazy. His, you know, the way he does, what he, what he does, you know, uh, is good, you know, so. It worked out for me. I like the song a lot, even still. So, um, you know. That's just that's just me how I feel about it. Um, trying to think, who else? J Rock. J Rock is another rapper who won. J Rock is under TDE, Top Dog Entertainment, and and um, uh, most famous rapper on that label right now is um, Kendrick Lamar. So uh, J Rock is great. I've been loving J Rock ever since Kendrick Lamar's first album because he was on there on a song called Money Trees. And that was one of my favorite songs on the album because it just J Rock's got a flow about him. He's got a nice bounce. He's got a nice flow. You can tell if he's not from Cali, he should be because he's got a nice little, you know, what I'm saying bouncing winner baby. So I like J Rock a lot. I listened to his album. He's got a song called Win. He's got a remix to Win with Snoop Dogg. Win is is dope. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. Um, but J Rock actually got his biggest um, acclaim on the King's Dead song which is a song off of the Black Panther soundtrack. And that song probably is the hardest song of 2018. It's probably probably the hardest song. And no matter how much Future tried to ruin this song with that falsetto singing, okay? La-da-da-da-da! Right? So he tried, and he did it, and he almost ruined that song. But luckily, Kendrick and J-Rock, okay, were able to salvage that bad boy. And, of course, it was a Black Panther. Um, it was on Black Panther soundtrack, so... I mean, it, it wins. It literally wins, regardless. Um, so I was really happy that he won. I was like, yes, yeah, J-Rock, somebody who's not as, you know, is not as known 
as as the others he still was out there doing what he had to do putting in the work to be able to be recognized by his peers so that's dope that's really dope so good good for j-rock good for top dog entertainment tde kendrick all of them um let's see let's see let's see okay that's about all i have for grammys as it pertains to the awards um you know there there was a motown tribute okay there was a Motown tribute, and I'm not 100% sure what this was for. I don't know if this was like a 50-year, 45-year, you know, some some year anniversary. I'm not 100% clear on that. But in any case, J-Lo was a part of the performance. And when she talked about it, she did talk about it before the Grammys. And I thought to myself, oh, they're going to bring her out here to sing a little, you know, a little doo-wop song right quick. And then that'll be the end of her. And then, you know, J-Lo was there. No, no, no. And I haven't watched this back yet, but according to everyone else, um, J-Lo basically, it was her set up there with, you know, a few people coming in here and there, and it was just a lot going on. Um, so, even before having watched the performance, I'm already aggravated. Because, and I'm just keeping it all the way funky with you, if when the time comes for them to do a Selena Okay, a Selena tribute or Gloria Estefan or um, Jennifer Lopez. Like, by the time it comes for these types of tributes, you're not going to find a black face on that stage. You're not going to find a black face on that stage. And the only way that you do find a black face on that stage is if they've worked together. So, for instance, if Shakira gets one, then... I would understand them inviting Beyonce because Shakira and Beyonce had a, a huge song together and a huge video. It was a smash. So I can understand that part a little. But otherwise, you're not going to find them there. They're going to get all of the artists that are popping in that genre in today's day and they're going to pick properly, you know, some vets. And then they're going to say, okay, we want you, 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 and you to come and represent our our sister or brother, right? The same thing should have happened here. The problem is, is that Motown, much like most black music, had such a far reach. It reached everyone. Literally everyone. So even the most racist of bastards know some Motown songs. And they don't just know them. They know them, know them, you know? Um, so that's the unfortunate part about this, is that it has such a hard, a long reach, and you want to tap into what's happening now and today, so that you can get the best performances, and then, you know, go from there, right? My problem is, is it just shouldn't have been J-Lo. J-Lo's not known for her voice, she's not known for her vocal ability, she's definitely known to be a dancer. They didn't do all of that type of dancing back in the day. I mean, if you take a look at Motown, they, they were, listen, the camera wasn't even showing the whole body, by the way. So they were keeping it from the waist up, that's number one, alright? And then, you know, it was a doo-wop. It was a doo-wop. It was a do a move over here, do a slide this way, do a move back, okay? So it wasn't any of this hard-hitting choreography or anything like that. Um, at least not the stuff that Jayla was accustomed to doing and then judging on her show World of Dance, which is another thing that I love, which I will be talking about um, shortly. Uh, I'm not sure. Actually, I think I might have to break this up because I'm already 40-some minutes in and I haven't even gotten to the end of the music part, so there's that. Um, but yeah. Um, so... So yeah, I I just, I really enjoyed some of the Grammys. I did not enjoy um, the idea that J-Lo was supposed to be doing all of this Motown stuff. Um, You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, people who are um, way more important than me, um, who are like celebrities or whomever, right, um, they're going so far as to say, oh, it's disrespectful, it's Black History Month, you go and it's a Motown tribute, and you go and get J-Lo, right? I mean, it does look very foolish. It looks extremely foolish on the part of the Academy, but, again, I don't want to take it that far, because, I mean, I fuck with J-Lo, and I mean, it just wasn't the right choice. It just wasn't the right choice. It just wasn't. And then Smokey Robinson comes this pretty face out there, talking about, um, 
talk about, oh, yeah, all of the hate, all of the hate is, all of the hate. Listen, 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 Smokey, okay? Smokey, we needed somebody with the vocals, okay, sir? We needed somebody with the vocals. So, but you know, it is what it is. They had an Aretha Franklin tribute, and let's see if I can do this from memory. They had Andrew Day, they had Fantasia Barino, and they had Yolanda, Yolanda Adams, and they did the tribute, and I was not mad at that selection at all, because these ladies can really sing, and I mean sang, sang, so I really love, the, the weakest singer out of all of them, in my view, is Andrew Day, and I only say that because, you know, I know a lot of Yolanda Adams and a lot of Fantasia's music, and I only know a few songs from Andrew Day, um, but I mean, the Rise Up song is amazing, it's still played at every graduation, it's still played at, you know, any type of inspirational moment, it's, it's still played, so she you know, good, good for her, she's dope, and I'm glad that people were happy with the, um, with the tribute, because, you know, tributes are hard, and they're hit or miss, and, I mean, I have full faith that I would be able to produce a really good tribute, regardless of the, the person of, you know, who it is, but, I I mean, but, obviously, it's not always easy, and then, you know, what if you do have all of these people booked, and then they say, nah, I'm not coming again. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not performing at the Grammys. Like Kendrick Lamar said, Kendrick, Drake, and um, ooh, there's one more big star, and they all declined to to perform at the Grammys. Which I was like, man, you know, um, you know. So it's very hard to put these these shows together. It's really hard to put those shows together. Um, so you know, it is what it is. Hopefully we'll we'll be able to get a really good tribute um, come June when BET has the BET Awards. I'm sure we'll be able to get it done that way. It'll be no problems. Um, okay, so that was pretty much the Grammys. That was the Grammys in a nutshell. Um, oh, pause though, because we definitely saw um, a few different previews during this Grammys. Um, this Grammys. Um, Broadcasting, and I'm trying to uh, write it down because. Okay, so I guess I didn't write it down, but anyway, um, I know for a fact that there was a movie called Ma. There's a movie called Ma. Ma, um, is starring Octavia Spencer, and she is playing Ma, and. I'm going to set it up for you like this. She's a little black lady who who lives by herself. And she likes to party with the kids in the town. Okay? Um, they run into her as they're trying to buy alcohol illegally. They ask her to do it. She agrees to do it. She told them, hey, if you really want to party, come, come see me. Come, come to Ma's house, you know? Okay? She had this cool basement, this basement where, you know, teenage kids love to go and do shit, like, you know, have sex and drugs and drink and all, all of the above, actually, right? So, um, then things start getting weird, right? Then, then they start getting messages from Ma during the day, video messages, hey, da 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 and they're like, wait, how'd she get our phone number? You know, stuff like that. It looks really crazy, really diabolical. Ma has one rule and one rule only, nobody goes upstairs. Obviously, they go upstairs, and things go to the absolute next fucking level, okay? If you have not seen this trailer, go on ahead and do you a favor and watch that on YouTube, okay? Listen, I was concerned than a motherfucker, and more so than I was for us, okay? More so than for us, because because Ma is up here trying to get back at some, some people that she knew when she was younger, because one of the, the men was like, how come my son is partying at your house? You know. Listen, she has completely turned these people into dummies. Like, she looks like she deserves to be directly on Criminal Minds with this movie. And I'm here for it. I think it's a Netflix movie. I'm here for it. I'll be watching it just like I'll be watching us. We gotta support everyone that's out here doing it. And it gave her this lead role and it looks like amazing work. It's a nice setup for a Madam C.J. Walker movie that she's got coming out from Netflix later on in this year hopefully. Um, so yeah. Shout out to Octavia Spencer. Shit. Do work. Do work. Um, 
more things I love. So just music. I already talked about, about Cardi. I talked about her. Um, one of the other albums and people that from 2018 that I really loved is a rapper called Black Thought. And he's the head rapper or the main rapper in the group The Roots. The Roots Crew. And those of you who watch Jimmy Fallon will know The Roots because that's the band that plays... That, that's the house band for Jimmy Fallon. But those of you who are a little bit older, um, around my age maybe, who knew The Roots before there was even a Jimmy Fallon to even, you know, reference, um, you know, um, The Roots has been the shit for a very, very long time. Um, and I love Black Thought. Black Thought released two albums in 2018. It was first, it was a stream of thoughts, um, part one and basically part two. And part one and two have great songs on them. I always find a, a gem in an album or on an album where the song completely sticks out and is fantastic. And you could pluck it off of there and you could just take it and put it in your damn pocket. It's the best song ever. He's got a couple of songs like that on both of the albums. So I was very pleased with that. And this is the first time he actually did anything in a solo capacity because normally it's just the roots, you know. I mean, and it's not, I mean, and again, it's, it's not like going solo was necessary because he's the only rapper in the group everybody else plays instruments you know it's like a rap band so um but i really appreciated this i appreciated every bit of it and he he was singing on one of them and and it's it's like my favorite song i think this is called the conception song i think it's called conception and it's just it's so nice like he really has a way of using his voice, and I don't think that um, Black Thought intended to use his voice the way that he's using it now, um, his vocals, but I think it's really dope that 30 plus years in the game, he's still finding a way to be original and still finding a way to be dope. I mean, you can't take bars away from this man. This man rapped for, what, seven, eight straight minutes on, on Funkmaster Flex or Sway or whoever it was. I mean, it was ridiculous how long he rapped. And them bars was all dope. I mean, it didn't even matter. It didn't even matter. All the bars was dope. Everything he said was dumb. So, um, he's, he's great. He's great, and we love him all, always. And shout-out to my boy Jason, um... JDK for even bringing the roots into my life. Um, obviously, I had known about the roots from Erica ba- when Erica Badu had the "You Got Me" song with them. I knew about them from that, but I wasn't really a big roots, you know, crew fan until I got to college and I met um, one of my close friends, Jason, who is a huge roots fan. Okay, huge. And he was a rapper, and he was my partner in crime, and I made beats for him, and I wanted him to record, and I wanted him to do all these things, and you know what, man, life just happens, and those things did not happen the way that we both probably wanted it to happen, but the music and the love is still there, the friendship is still there, so it's all good, it's all good. Huh, I actually hit everything on this music stuff. Okay, so low-key love, for music anyway, I low-key love trap music and west coast music there is this new rapper named blueface Bleedem. all right that boy got a whole tattoo on the side of his face and and he'll never be able to get a normal job i mean they'll hire him i mean you know but why are you doing this but anyway that's not the point of this story blueface Bleedem. okay he has a song called bleed it <laughs> blueface is a crip if i'm not mistaken um YG, another rapper, he is a blood, okay, I don't know what it is, I really don't know what it is, but California music is so, it's like, it like speaks to me, it seriously speaks to me, like, I really feel like, in another life, I was from Cali, like, I feel like I got that demeanor, I feel like I got that fucking bounce, I feel like I got that chill, motherfucking nonchalant shit going on sometimes, um, you know, and the music is just so damn, it's so wet, it's so wet, it's never dry, and I love it, um, so anyway, Blueface Bleed him. he's got the song, there's a Bleed It Challenge, so if you want to take a look at that, you can, on any social media that you frequent, um, 
But that song, and I, again, I don't know that he's talking about a damn thing. And he's got another song called Thotiana. I'm sure he's not talking about a damn thing in that either. But it's the beat and it's the it's the vibe and it's the fact that he be out there crip walking and shit. Like I don't know. I just love it. I just love it. And then there's YG. And YG is same thing. I listened to YG's album. He got a song called Suwu. Listen, bro. I'm not a blood. I'm not a crip. I'm not a gang member, okay? But when I listen to that song, I'm a whole blood. You understand? A whole blood. So, I just, I really enjoy that kind of music and then trap music in general. And I'll be honest with you, I used to not like trap music. And then Jeezy put out Trap Music um, 103. And so, this was like the third trap music album he had released. I never listened to any of it. I knew some of his songs, but I didn't listen to Jeezy like that. I took a chance and listened to um, TM 103. And when I tell you I love that shit, it bumped from cover to cover. I was like, damn. And then I loved that I could identify with what these people are talking about, even though I ain't never been in the trap. Okay? I can identify with going out here and getting the money because you got to pay the bills. He literally says, Georgia Power won't give a nigga lights for free. You see what I'm saying? So we're not just selling drugs to go out here and, 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 and have the cars and, and the money and the, and the hoes and all of this stuff. No, 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 no. We actually got to pay bills, too. Yeah. We got to pay bills. So I can identify with that. Because, hey, that's all I do is go to work and pay bills. So I understand. So those are my... Those are my... Um, <laughs> Those are my low-key faves right there. I love me some trap music. I love me some West Coast uh, music. Um, it just doesn't get much better than than the crunk music either. I had loved that, but there was like a if you could have like a like a a space in between crunk and trap. That's where you would put some of the songs that came during the, the crunk um, like phenomenon, like the song "Damn" by. Um, I have no idea who those guys are now. I have to find it. But there's lots of songs like that where where Little John was merely the producer, and then you had rappers who actually rapped about stuff on a Little John track. But yeah, yeah. So I love those types of music, that type of music. Um, but my main my main focus is a good conscious hip hop, a good neo soul singer, um, and then so obviously Beyonce fits in none of those molds, none of them. Okay, but for some reason. I did not like Beyonce. There, I can't put a finger. I can't pinpoint the reason why it was at all. I think it was just a, a thing girls go through. You know, you don't like the pretty one. Eh, she's the pretty one. You know, eh, she's the one that gets all the guys. Eh, she's the one that dances all the time. Eh, right? Just, just hate. Um. And then I, I'm trying to think of the moment that this changed for me because I, I have this moment with Kobe Bryant where. I hated Kobe Bryant all the way up until I loved him, which was um, 2010 when he asked for that trade. He asked for a trade from the Lakers from which he had been drafted and wanted to spend his entire career. And he said, you know what? I don't care where I go. So you can send me to the Clippers for all I care. Clippers was the sorriest team in the league. I said, you're going to send Kobe to the Clippers? What? Obviously, that never happened. And um, they actually went on to win the championship that year. And that was the moment when I... I started loving Kobe. I was like, wait, what? I was, and I looked at, you know, June, you fast forward to June from, from Christmas because he had a press conference December of the year and he was just like, I want to be traded. And then, uh, and then, um, and then June comes around and then they're in the finals with Boston, you see. And I just was amazed by that. I was like, six months ago, he wanted to be out of here. He wasn't even going to be here six months ago. And so that's when I started loving him. So when I started loving Beyonce, when was that? It had to be on the four album. The the album where she had, um, the album where she had, um, the best thing I never had. What else did she have? She had one plus one. She had I care. Um, love on top was on there party, uh, school and life, um, in the countdown, John. So it, it was a lot of songs on there that were, were okay. And the problem with that album was Beyonce was experimenting at that time. And I can say this very confidently now. I couldn't say it very confidently then, 
but she experimented like hell with this one and she let every single one of those songs out as a single i remember because every single week dj envy was playing a new beyonce song he was like yeah it's that new beyonce coming up off of it and i'm like wait 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 i said so we just gonna play the whole album on the radio you know um but little did we know that she was gearing up for something bigger testing the waters of what made sense you know and um in the next album we got that visual album it was a, it was a whole album in visual drop and then the next album we got lemonade um so i think what really made me change my mind about beyonce was i sat and watched um the beyonce experience it's a dvd and she had tons and tons of songs at that point more songs she has way more songs now but at that point she had tons of songs and when i tell you i was entertained the whole way knew all of the songs obviously because no matter how much you dislike an artist like no matter how much i dislike drake i know the lyrics i know i know the words you know so no matter how much i dislike beyonce i knew the words i knew all of those songs i was jamming and jamming i mean she's so dope and she's a great entertainer right so that changed my mind and then I started checking for Beyonce. Um, so at this point, Beyonce is absolutely one of my favorites. Um, I would probably go and see her again in concert. I would probably do that again and again and again until there was no more Beyonce concerts. Um, but yes, yes, Beyonce is probably number one for me. Um, as it pertains to rappers, oddly enough, Jay-Z would probably be one for me. I love Jay-Z. I do. I have every single, and I prided, used to pride myself, um, when I was younger and before streaming was a big deal, but I used to pride myself on the fact that I owned every single Jay-Z album. I owned every single one. Every single one. And I remember trying to buy Jay-Z one time or listen to Jay-Z because I said, I want to listen to rap. But I want to listen to cool rap. I don't want to listen to crazy, shysty rap. I don't want to listen to nothing that's too whack. I want to listen to nothing too hardcore. But I want to listen to rap. You know, give me a nice beat. You know, give me, give me a, give me some bars. You know, da da da. You know, and Jay Z was that for me at the time. He was that for me at the time, and um, I kind of stuck with him over the years because there were some times when he didn't make good music, right? You know. But, you know, you stick with your faves. You stick with your faves, and then, you know, you move on. So, so what, I think I'm going to wrap it up here. I, I've already made in my mind that I'm going to do Shit That I Love Part 1, 2, and maybe 3. I'm going to try to fit everything in, in Shit That I Love 2 that I did not talk about in Shit That I Love Now. Um... So, so the next episode will most likely be movies, most likely be um, dance, because that's another thing that I love, art, photography. I'll try to be really artsy in the next one, guys. Sorry, I, I feel like I was really musically technical in this one, and, you know, I'm good with that, but, you know, if you were bored, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, oh yeah, shout out to Cardi B in, in Offset, though, because Cardi B released a song today called Please Me with Bruno Mars. And the song is Flames. It's Flames. And um, Offset, I guess they're they're back. Offset and Cardi are married. Everyone who does not know that. And they were going through a bit of a situation. And she was ready to get a divorce. And it looks like they may be on the mend. They may be working it out. All we can ever ask for in these situations is that people do what's best for the children. Just do what's best for, for the baby. And if what's best for the baby is for mom and dad to be together, then let's fucking do that. Alright. But if it's not, then let's do something else. Fair enough? So, but, I mean, but shout out to them. Because I, I love when people can come through a storm. I, it's nothing better than people coming through a storm. So, shout out to Cardi B and the motherfucking Offset. Um, so, I'm going to cut it here. I'm going to raise this fucking beat up again. And I'm going to find another beat. And we're going to pick it up again. Hey! So drop the damn beat!